to another episode of the Young Turks Podcast. Mason Viner and Ahmed Kafir talking Terps in Ohio State. We'll have Jake Butt from the Big Ten Network join us in a little bit. First, Ahmed, we talked about the first that will be for Maryland if they start 5-0. and Let's talk uh, potential 6-0 and Terps. Yeah, obviously it would be a first chance to do that in quite some time since 2001. Um, in order to do so, you would pull off, uh, I believe it's the first road win against a top 10 team since 1950. So um, in order to move 6-0, and you would be able to uh, reset a lot of new program records that you did uh, in the Week 5 win with obviously a chance to move to 5-0, and 2-0 in conference play and Big Ten play. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, just from a big picture perspective, you know, you move to 6-0 and with a win on the road at Ohio State. Uh, I think you really have a chance to change the national narrative about the program. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, I think it's been the topic. It's been the topic up on the forum on InsideTheBlackAndGold.net this week is really what this win would mean. Um, let's break it down from from a couple of perspectives. First, let's let's start with I think what would be the most impactful long term, recruiting wise. I think this gives Loxley, you know, what what he wants in this. He talked about this week in his press conference. People come to Maryland to compete in games like this. What do you think the impact from that is if they actually pull it off? Oh, I mean, you know, when you think of the first couple of years when Maryland joined the Big Ten and, you know, Ohio State would run up the score 62-3, to 59-3. I mean, um, you know, they, they never took their foot off the gas or off the pedal uh, because they hit the DMV very hard. Uh, and, you know, you look at a lot of kids, you know, they'll get the Maryland offer pretty early on in the process. And then, you know, they'll get the Ohio State or the Georgia offer, you know, that March during the eval period. And, all of a sudden, you know, Maryland's fighting against the Blue Bloods and, you know, it's kind of an uphill battle. So, you know, I think being being able to pull that off would really validate it, uh, validate what Loxie's doing. Uh, you know, been able to do a lot of post-visit recaps on Inside the Black and Gold over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and just, you know, a lot, of, a lot of these players have been talking about, hey, the defense is looking good. You know, Fahim Delaney, this is the second or third time he's talked about, hey, you know, the corners, you know, they did a really good job sending corners to the league. And, hey, you know, I thought the defense – probably he's going to be rebuilding a little bit because they lost a lot of pieces, but they've been able to hit on all strides. So think think being able to win at Ohio state would really be uh, that signature win. Obviously Maryland was able to do so when at Penn state uh, back in 2020 uh, and, you know, be able to, to kind of uh, sell that on the trail of, you know, making that more of a consistent, uh, consistent um, occurrence. Uh, but obviously I think from, from a recruiting standpoint, it adds a lot of validity to what Loxie's doing and, um, you know, players want to go where it's hot. Uh, a win at Ohio State would definitely make you hot. Yeah, that is sure. Um, let's talk about the fan perspective a little bit. And, and this is a spot where I think you might see the most impact, meaningful for both recruiting, for, for everything that has to do with Maryland athletics. Forget even Maryland football in this. This is like a athletic program changing opportunity in, in many ways. One is I think next week you come back home and you probably have a sold-out crowd. You know, and that's something that this program's struggled to have. Or if it's not a sellout, it's it's damn close to a sellout next week at CQ Stadium. I think that that is the biggest thing. All of your casual Maryland fans that see see in the Washington Post or the Baltimore Sun or on, you know, X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, that, hey, Maryland's 5-0 and and you need to, you know, go out and see a game. They have, you know, all these deals for season tickets, all this stuff going on. Suddenly people are going to say, well, I went to Maryland. Where's my Maryland sweatshirt? I'm going out to the game next weekend. And for all the Maryland fans that have been there, it says, you know, really, there's a lot of people that still question locks. You know, they might be 5-0. and They might be a consistent bowl team. But everybody wants to see them win this game. 
And when you talk about the first time since 1950, you start to kind of draw those two things together. Um, it just would be such a big moment for the casual Maryland fan, for just the kid in the state of Maryland that went to Maryland to say, hey, they just beat Ohio State. When can I go to a game? Oh, they play Penn State at home. Let me go to that one. You know, you start to get that that role going. Yeah, I think I think what it what the part of the problem is, um, I think the casual fan just kind of looks at maybe Maryland saying, oh, you know, uh, they, they, they don't have this chance against some of these Big Ten to, uh, top dogs, you know, the uh, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. Um, you know, Maryland hasn't been able to find sustained success. Obviously, uh, you know, Maryland was able to give Michigan a scare on the road last year, give Ohio State a scare uh, at home last year. Um, but being able to win those, I think maybe, you know, the casual fan sees those on the schedule and they chalk it up as an automatic loss. Now, you know, no one, you know, I don't think either of us are saying, you know, hey, Maryland's going to go in and 100% going to win in Columbus. Or, you know, I think we all recognize and, you know, people that have watched this team uh, through these first five weeks recognize that, you know, this this team is probably a little bit different uh, than in years past. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, when you talk about just the fan perspective, I think a, a win would, like, really what it does on the recruiting side adds a lot of validity to, hey, you know, there's there's some depth and there's some actual um, bigger tangible wins that fans can kind of point to it and say, hey, you know what, this isn't, this isn't the same old Maryland when Randy Edsel was here. Yeah, 100%. And we're going to talk about the goals for the Terps and what they need to do and to get that win here in a second. But first, this podcast is presented by Watercrafters in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Watercrafters has been providing swimming pool services and supplies to the Montgomery County and Howard County areas for the past 41 years. Watercrafters highly skilled service staff can open and close your pool as well as provide new equipment installations, repairs and weekly service. The Gaithersburg Retail Showroom has everything for your swimming pool, including chemicals, parts, and fun accessories. Visit Watercrafters in the Gaithersburg Air Park or online at watercrafters.com. Ahmed, before we get over to Jake, but let's talk about what the Terps need to do to win this game. Yeah, obviously when Maryland's on offense, uh, you look at Ohio State, that front seven, you know, J Jack Sawyer, uh, Tyleek Williams, uh, number 44 there as well. All those guys have been uh, among the best in the nation, doing really good job, just getting um, uh, pressure uh, inside. And, you know, when you look at Ohio State, I asked Mike Loxley about it because it's just very unlike Ohio State when you see uh, them sitting second to last in the Big Ten in terms of sacks. Uh, but when you look at what they're able to do in terms of pressure and, and disrupting the plays, they've been consistent about that. So when you look at Maryland's offensive line, how they've been scrutinized, uh, and then Maryland's uh, uh, running backs and pass protection, I think those are all going to be things that are uh, definitely are under the radar or excuse me, scrutinized this weekend against Ohio State. Uh, how Maryland's able to do with that second tight end in terms of blocking, that's going to be another aspect. Maryland's been able to see some success from Preston Howard, from Rico Walker. Uh, in the passing game, obviously, Rico Walker's seemingly addicted to hurtling people at this point. But uh, Rico Walker, another guy where he's been able to, to give Maryland that, that in-team blocker there. Uh, so, you know, this would be his first test there. So I think those are big things. And then obviously that Ohio State secondary was tested against Sam Hartman in Notre Dame two weeks ago. Held up pretty well. So I think it's going to be uh, coming off a bye. I think this, this Maryland uh, offense is going to have their work cut out for them, uh, trying to find the soft spots against this Ohio State secondary. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I'll just jump right on uh, the secondary line. When Maryland gets their big shots, they cannot drop the ball. I think we all remember the Michigan game last year, the way that started, obviously the fumbled kickoff. And just if you look at games that Maryland's lost by one score over the past two years, 
you will find deep balls dropped by Maryland's wide receivers that should have been touchdowns or balls that weren't thrown by the quarterback or missed by the quarterback that really should result in points. Forget explosive plays, but we're talking about long scoring plays of like 40 plus yards. I think that is, if you ask me what Maryland needs to do to win this game, to come out on top, capitalize on those moments, make the big plays, especially early in the game. Uh, I could go on another rant about a fast start, but Ahmed, I'll pass it back to you. <laughs> yeah, obviously. I mean, you know, fast start, you know, uh, Maryland, you know, they, they can't afford a slow start. I mean, you can't can't go 14-0, 10-0 against this Ohio State team and expect to really come back. Uh, this the, the shoe is going to be a um, – it's going to be a, undoubtedly the toughest place. Obviously, they played Michigan State on the road two weeks ago, but uh, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to put that Spartan environment uh, on the same level as uh, the Ohio State environment there. So, um, yeah, I, I think just kind of being Maryland and, you know, staying, staying efficient with the football, uh, winning the turnover battle, I think those are things that kind of maybe go without saying, but really kind of integral to, to how, how far Maryland's able to go on Saturday. Yeah, last one for me is some creativity in the blitz packages. We saw this early in the season from B-Will. I think we need to see it again on Saturday. I, I think it was turned back a little bit when Bo Bray and Dante Trader found themselves out of position on a couple plays where they were stepping in the box or maybe they shouldn't have been. Let's see pressure from Glenn Glenn Miller, uh, Bo Braid, and Dante Trader in those game in this game. We know they can reach the quarterback and they finish the sacks. We'll we'll see what happens. But I think Kyle McCord is a guy you got to get in his face, make him throw over guys, and then he's bound to make a mistake. He's a young quarterback, and this is a first big game. Fox Big Noon kickoff. Obviously, he's been in the spotlight. He's the Ohio State quarterback, but I think if Brown can get in his face, we saw what Notre Dame was able to do. It can definitely limit the Buckeyes in terms of scoring. Yeah, and when you kind of talk about just how Maryland's getting creative there, uh, I think, you know, it's our heap still blitzing out of the slot, uh, the nickel. I think that's something that we've seen in kind of years past. Wouldn't be shocked if we see that again. Now, obviously, you know, a lot lot has been kind of made about, you know, just how healthy is our heap still? Will, will he be available? Obviously, I uh, met with the media on Tuesday, was kind of trying to hide, but didn't do a great job of hiding, to be blunt. Uh, so he was kind of spotted during practice, full pads and whatnot. So uh, I think, you know, just – kind of um, uh, how he's kind of able to fare will be a, a big thing there. But um, definitely, definitely excited. Like you said, you know, Maryland's real first big test this year. So um, will be interesting. Yeah, and let's hear some perspective on the Buckeyes. Let's get over to our interview with Jake Button. Now we welcome Jake Butt onto the podcast. Jake, it's been a while since we talked to you preseason. The Terps obviously made a big impact uh, on the national stage. Uh, what's the view on Maryland from a BTN analyst? Oh, man, I'm excited to talk with you guys because those that knew knew that this was a, a, a certainly a possibility. I thought preseason they had a really good chance to be 5-0 and going into this game, and I thought that'd mean a lot for their confidence. Um, I'd say the, the perspective is pretty standard across the board. Like, look, this is – this is Loxley. Like, this is an explosive offense. Talia is Talia. There's weapons all over the field. Um, the defense is significantly improved. But I think a lot of people, myself included, are very interested to see how this game this weekend goes just because Maryland really hasn't been tested up until this point. So um, this is a clarity game for Maryland, really a clarity game for Ohio State, too, because the way Maryland plays football, they're going to present some challenges to the Buckeyes. Yeah, and you kind of hit the nail right on the head there. Obviously, uh, it was pretty interesting to see. Obviously, much has been made kind of what Maryland's passing attack can be. Uh, but it's interesting when you look at Maryland, they're sitting second in the Big Ten right behind Ohio State. Uh, obviously, Kyle McCord for them. Uh, his, uh, he'll make his sixth career start this weekend, fifth in the season. But, um, you know, is anything kind of maybe jumped out, maybe good or bad uh, from the first-year quarterback? 
for Kyle McCord, I think really it's it's about exactly what 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 you're seeing is what I'm seeing is what most of pe- most people are seeing. The the thing that's jumped out is the lens of perspective for McCord and Columbus, where he early in the year he was judged off of the standard set by C.J. Stroud and that Ohio State offense last year. I didn't think that was fair for him. My challenge and what I was hoping to see was what I have seen, and and that's growth week over week. Look, he's got all the everything around him is in place from a weapon standpoint. I think the growth of the offensive line has helped him as well. And really, you, you don't know much about somebody until they're tested. So that final drive for for him to lead the team down and you know hit a book on that seam and then they finish with the chip train touchdown like that that does a lot for a young quarterback and that does a lot you know there's 10 guys looking at one quarterback in the huddle those 10 guys now know something about McCord that they didn't previously and that's this guy's going to make the throws in the big moments I mean it was third and 10 it was fourth and seven it was third and 19 he he showed up and made big time plays so um, the the biggest thing that stood out is the growth week over week but there's still a lot of room for improvement especially when we consider what we know Ohio State's offense to be historically yeah when you look at the Buckeyes offense right now obviously Marvin Harrison Junior is the big time player. Do you think that, you know, we'll see him start to get the ball more? He almost, you know, when you go back and you watch Maryland's game against Ohio State, he was the, the main reason they won. Do you think uh, they're, they're looking at it just saying, how much can we get Marvin Harris in the ball? Or do you really think it's time for them to open up the playbook for Kyle McCord? I, you know, of course, I think you all, you go into every week saying, man, how do we get Marvin Harrison Jr. the ball? He's just that when you have that type of talent. You, you pretty much start your meetings with that. But Ibuka is a first-round talent too, right? Emeka Ibuka is a, is a first-round talent, and he's been showing up. I mean, he is damn, damn good. If you close your eyes at times, you wouldn't know the difference because they just make they both make big plays in big moments. I really think uh, teams are taking away Harrison Jr. at times, and it's on McCord to read that and go elsewhere with the football. But I, I, I really – I don't think you necessarily need to force things at this point. I think the the opportunities come when if you see one-on-one with Marvin Harrison Jr., the ball needs to go there, right? But in terms of forcing things into double coverage, that doesn't need to be the case. If Abuka's one-on-one, that's just as good. That's a better target than if Harrison Jr.'s double teamed or if there's a cloud safety and cloud corner over top. So it really is on McCord to read that teams are doing the right thing, which is to have extra help over top of Harrison Jr. Yeah. And I think you hit the nail right on the head because, you know, when you even look at Ohio State, uh, Kate Stover, he's another guy in three of his four games. He has five catches. Um, so, I mean, he's getting another guy. And then you look at uh, Travion Henderson as well, just kind of what he's able to do with the ground game. Um, you know, you, you touched on it in the beginning of the show. It's kind of, you know, Maryland's 5-0. and They've been able to kind of maybe move the needle or check the boxes that they've been able to do so through five weeks. But obviously this Ohio State team is going to be the toughest test, the toughest, the most hostile environment that they kind of step into. But um, I guess, you know, when you kind of look at the matchup, um, kind of seeing what you've seen from Maryland so far, do you maybe think that there's maybe an area where Maryland says, you know what, like maybe maybe they match up a little bit better than you think. 
the the one place that I think can decide this game, and and if we look back at it and say Maryland played them closer, if Maryland's able to pull off the upset, the one area which has been their area of strength is turnovers. I'm not a huge analytic guy, but turnovers are one of those telltale signs. When you are dominating the turnover battle or even winning, your likelihood of uh, winning the game goes up significantly, and Maryland has done a good job of that. It's been one of their best strengths defensively to start the season. Now, you might say, well, hey, listen, teams have given it away, and they've just thrown them the ball. Certainly. That happens every single week, though. It happened in the Notre Dame game. At the end of the game, McCourt, the game should have been over. Notre Dame drops the interception. Uh, JT Tuimolowal, like he could have intercepted that screen. He dropped it. It happens often where offenses give defenses a chance to turn the ball over. The difference for Maryland this year is those guys have been ready for their moment, and they've come down with the interceptions when the opportunity has presented itself. That's going to have to be the case once again this week. If they have chances to take the ball away, it can't be a deflected pass. They have to take the ball away. Because, look, it's just what we talked about already. The longer Marvin Harrison Jr. and Ibuka and McCord and Henderson are on the field, good luck. All right? Like, good luck. Seriously, that's just the name of the game. And the more opportunities you can have to get them off the field and put the ball back in your offensive hands, the better. That's just simple logic. So to me, this the, the turnovers have to continue to be a storyline for Maryland. Let's take a look at the Terps' offense against Ohio State's defense. Obviously, the Buckeyes, the best defense that Maryland will face. Where do you think uh, Leah and the squad needs to expose Ohio State? Because they've struggled against teams that have linebackers like the Buckeyes. Yeah, so it, it really starts with having a plan for pressure. Uh, just knowing Jim Knowles, that's that's who he is and that's who he wants to be. There's a lot of linebacker plugs. There's corner blitzes. There's secondary elements that, that blitz. So having a plan for pressure because when you do have a plan for pressure and you're able to take advantage of it, that's when the explosive happens. Now, there's one stat that blew my mind. Last year, Maryland had like eight explosives against Ohio State in, the, in that game alone. The Buckeye defense this year has made it a point to clean up that. They've given up nine total explosives on the entire year. So I don't know that Maryland's going to be able to have eight explosives in one game again. But if you can handle pressure, that's where the explosives come, right? That's If you can, if you can shore up the pressure with your O-line, tight ends, and running backs, then you get the one-on-one -on -one matchups in space then the explosives come. So that's that's a big area, and it certainly helps to have a veteran at quarterback in Talia Tagovailoa, guy that's seen a lot of football. The game is slowed down for him. It's going to be on him to see the shell of the defense and communicate with his O-line and running backs to help give him some time in the pocket. Yeah, uh, I think uh, when I was looking at uh, just, uh, you know, sometimes post post games on Sundays, whatnot, I'll look at stats just to kind of see kind of where teams in the Big Ten are stacking up, things like that. And I, one thing that did catch my eye uh, was Ohio State was second to last in the Big Ten in sacks. I think it was five through five, through four games. But, you know, a lot like you said, a lot just kind of how they played defensively just with the pressures and uh, just rushing three. Um, and then, obviously, you talked uh, – I remember I asked Loxley about it. Um, he mentioned Jack Sawyer. He's uh, he, he's going to be the, the guy for him. He's a true pass, pass rusher for them. Um, but I guess do, do you kind of feel that um, maybe Ohio State, you know, that the front seven maybe looks a little bit different than in years past to you? The, that number is deceiving, though, because they are getting pressure. They're just not yeah. finishing in sacks. That's the thing is they are committing to pressure and getting pressure. It just hasn't finished with sacks. So that's where this can be deceiving a little bit. Um, 
and I, I think really like th- that's where you can kind of lessen the blow of those of those uh, the sack numbers, because really the defense has done a good job of getting pressure, which forces errant throws, which forces incompletions, which means three and out. So like at the end of the day, you don't care if it's a sack or an errant throw. The goal is to stop the offense. So yeah. I think that stat line can be a little bit deceiving that the D line is still elite. Like we know JT Tuimolo, what yeah. he's capable of Michael Hart Jr. Some of those guys, like you mentioned, Jack Sawyer, those guys are still talented. They're five stars. So they'll get the pressure and they'll bring the pressure organically and with blitzes. It's just for them. They just haven't quite been able to finish in total sack numbers. I feel like I got to ask you this one. What do you make of the Terps tight end room so far and especially Corey Deitches? Yeah, you know, I love Corey Deitches, man. He's uh, he is an absolute weapon. You know, he he's one of the athletic guys that makes the rest of us look good. You know, he, he he's so light on his feet and, and such a strong receiving weapon. He's almost like a receiver. Right. But I, I, I think that's fair in the sense that, like, you know, I th- there's there's so many different ways to play the position. I, I You know, there was a guy by the name of Lee Smith that was like a blocking tight end that played for the Raiders and the Bills and a couple teams in his career. Why would I ever put him in the slot? He's damn good in an extension of the offensive line. Well, Corey Deitches, why would I want him to – why would I waste what he's good at? You know, I'm going to get him out in space and line him up off the ball and in the slot and at different receiver positions and have him stretch defenses vertically. That's what he's good at. So there's a number of different ways you can do it. And within the Maryland system, what he's asked to do in his position – that lines up perfectly with his skill set. So he's really, really good. It's good. That, that's a great matchup to watch here. You talk about Ohio State's linebackers. They're downhill. The safeties are downhill. The advantage you have when you're inside as a tight end or a slot receiver, a move tight end, the guys that are covering you, their first priority isn't to cover you. Their first priority is to stop the run. That goes for both safeties and linebackers. So right off that first second post snap, you have the advantage because the guys whose assignment is to cover you, that first second is spent making sure the the you know you're not handing the ball to Roman Hemby. Yeah, yeah follow up on that. Um, Maryland's kind of mixed in different guys: Rico Walker, Dylan Wade, Preston Howard, coming in as freshmen, first time Big Ten players. They haven't quite found the blocking tight end yet. Can you talk a little bit about just blocking from that position? Why certain guys struggle with it? Remember the spring game though, real quick. How how some of those guys just showed up. I, I had I didn't know much about those dudes either. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was a few of them. But the spring game, a couple times they're running down the seam. I'm like man, these freshmen are are showing up. You know they're pretty good. And then uh, who's the guy that went to Bama? Was it CJ Dupree? Yeah. Yep. CJ Dupree. He was a damn good blocker. He was more your Y tight end, your traditional tight end. That's something some guys never figure out. It's it's just really hard. I mean, look in order to be able to run down the seam, you need to be light and quick, but that doesn't exactly translate to being able to put your hand in the dirt and block JT to or Jack Sawyer, or some of the bigger DNs. So the challenge is, is to be, a, to do a little bit of both, but you don't want to sacrifice. If you're very elite at running routes, like a Corey Deitches, you don't want to beef up to 250 just to say, I'm going to become a solid blocker. Like you want to be elite at what you do. Now, the rest of those guys with Deitches, assuming the role is the number one pass catcher, at, at that position someone's got to step up that's just playing time and opportunity but really this is something that it takes guys years if ever to figure out how to block yeah i think you had hit the nail right on the head i think that's going to be kind of one of maybe the, the maybe um 
biggest unanswered question for this Maryland offense, especially going against, you know, this Ohio State front seven, um, just how, how Maryland will be able to do that. But um think going into this weekend, I think last I saw was the spread was anywhere between 18 and a half, 19 and whatnot. And um, obviously Ohio State's coming off a of buy. So Jake, just curious, you know, I guess, do you feel like Maryland can make it competitive? Obviously coming off of last year's game uh, in College Park where it went down to the all 60 minutes. Um, and like I said, with Ohio State coming off a of bye, I guess, what what what's the likelihood that you think that Maryland would kind of be able to pull this off in Columbus? Why not? I mean, I, I don't understand. I, I can't understand why. Now, look, they, they had Ohio State at home last year, right? Yeah. yeah. They, they won on the road to Ann Arbor against Michigan yeah. they were right in that game for four quarters so listen like Loxley I go back to the seat the, the offseason where Loxley said listen like we want to compete for conference titles a coach doesn't say that with the level of conviction Loxley said unless he believes that he has something there on his roster so if Loxley believes it I'm not going to question that guy man I think Loxley's done a phenomenal job recruiting developing and implementing systems no one's going to say this is going to be easy particularly on the road if they want to get it done, they can't start slow like they've been prone to do at times throughout the season, and they have to win the turnover battle. Those are the two keys. If you get down 14 to nothing against Ohio State, good luck. You need to try to get up 10 to 7 or 14 to 7. That that should be your goal. And then from there, when the opportunities present themselves, you got to force some turnovers. Those are big time momentum swings, particularly on the road. Then the home crowd could actually work against the home team if you're able to force some turnovers. You, the home crowd can work against the home team and work in your favor as the away team. So those are the key elements. All right, Jake. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, sitting down, doing a little mid-season recap and talking about the Terps and Ohio State. Anytime, guys. And just another thank you to Jake Butt for joining us there on the pod. Ahmed, uh, interesting stuff on the Buckeyes. Jake didn't seem uh, too far in the Ohio. He might be a Maryland better. I don't think he could bet in his job, but he, he may sound a bit like a Maryland better there. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's been confident. You know, I got a chance to, to talk to him in the spring as well. Um, just be, be pretty confident, kind of the athletes that Loxie's brought in, kind of, um, you know, he, he was noted the, the tight end room, obviously the athleticism that they, they have in that room. Um, so I think he, he has been pretty high on what Maryland can do this year. And I think, you know, I kind of hit on it when I said it at the end, you know, you know, Maryland going on the road, obviously coming off the bye, just those, those two factors just kind of feel like two things that are maybe kind of against Maryland. Um, you know, it just feels like if, this is a neutral field. This would this would be a really really intriguing matchup. Uh, obviously, you don't get too too many of those in college football going to Ohio State. But like you said, it, it definitely was it was evident that you know he's he's not looking at this as you know maybe the same old Maryland where it's all you know they they got to you know the margin for error is slim now. You know the margin for error is slim going into, into Ohio State, but definitely a tone of you know hey Maryland Maryland can hang in this one. Yeah, and. Let's just get right into it. Vegas, uh, I don't think they're buying or, or drinking the Maryland Kool-Aid as much as us here on, on the Young Terps. Uh, Terps opened plus 21 in the lines. That's moved down a little bit, 19 and a half, 20, depending on where you look at it right now. Maryland uh, plus 800 on the money line. Ahmed, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think uh, I did a behind enemy lines piece, and I traded back. Initially went 41-20 and ended up going 38-20. And I think... I think maybe both sides, it feels like maybe that might be a little too low. Um, but in the same breath, I also think it might be a little bit too high. I think this Maryland defense has kind of shown the ability to uh, make adjustments and make adjustments quickly. Now, 
know, Marvin Harrison and make a Buka, um, Kate Stover, you know, Trayvon, um, Kyle McCord, you know, those, those, I think Kyle McCord, obviously, you know, there, there are ways to kind of uh, disrupt him. And I think Maryland will be able to find ways to, to kind of get, dis, you know, disrupt him a little bit. But um, I think that's just, it's a lot of weapons offense. Um, I think Maryland's depth in the secondary, that's going to be tested in that cornerback room, you know, you know, after they added Jaquan Shepard, you know, they, they kind of, Debated, you know, a third cornerback in the portal, you know, is that, or excuse me, a second uh, portal cornerback to, to give Maryland uh, a third behind uh, Tarheep Still, Jaquan Shepard there. Um, and, you know, they didn't go that way. You know, you saw Gavin Gibson's kind of made some strides. Lionel Whitaker, uh, Perry Fisher has been able to play a little bit. Corey Coley's another guy in there. So, um, you know, this Ohio State defense or offense, excuse me, has multiple weapons. Um, so you're going to see some of these young guys play. How did they fare? in that first hostile environment. So I don't expect Maryland, you know, I think this team has shown that once they get punched in the mouth, you know, they, they look right back at you. Um, I think, I think Maryland will be able to, to respond with a couple of their own punches. Um, I'm just not, not as confident that they'll be able to do over a 60 minute stretch, but I do think that this Maryland defense will be able to, uh, to, to surprise this Ohio state offense. Yeah, I like the Terps uh, with the points this week. Uh, I, I think that this game will be close in the first quarter, in the first half of it, and I think Ohio State just has a little bit more being at home. I really do think it's one of those games that if it was in College Park, I would be all over the Terps if they got 21 points. Now, they probably wouldn't. They, would, they might give them a whole touchdown if the game's in CQ uh, and not in Columbus. I think uh, you you really spelled it out. Ohio State just has too many weapons for Bar where Maryland's defense is right now if they went in and they got another really good portal corner, I think that would change this game completely. If Gavin Gibson was healthy the entire season, I think it changes this game completely. I just don't see the nickel back quite there for Maryland to go into this defense. I think Ohio State will be able to expose when Maryland goes to zone uh, over the middle of the field. And ultimately, if Maryland isn't trying to bring pressure for the better part of this game and they're not getting to the quarterback, they will be exposed into it. So I think the front four, which I've talked about a lot, the interior defensive line, they've got to get push. Those are the things that have to happen. I just think Ohio State just a little bit or way further along in terms of program development, but this year just a little bit uh, a step ahead of where Maryland is at, especially after that Notre Dame game. For Maryland on offense, Leah's just got to be dialed in. I think we've seen all know and have seen what he can do when he is, and we've all seen the other side of that. So it's just which Talia Tungavailoa shows up on Saturday, that'll be enough to keep Maryland in it. Terps, uh, I think they do a lot better than – than many think. I got it Ohio State 31-27. It's not a heartbreaker, but the final score uh, ends up being close, just like those games last year. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Talia, I think what the, the big thing with him, I think, you know, there were a couple of plays last week against Indiana that really stuck out to me where he just did a really good job, and it seemed like he was so effortlessly uh, evading pressure, using his mobility, and was just very smart with the football. And that's the Leah that Maryland is going to need. You talked about, you know, or uh, Loxy talked about it. Jake Butt talked about it. You know, the sacks, like that's it's it it is um, a little bit skewed. It, it, it's kind of you know, maybe a little bit feels like it is out, out of context a little bit because this Ohio State front seven, they are disruptive. Uh, they are going to disrupt Maryland's. Uh, biggest weakness, biggest question mark this year, and I think this is going to be the first year, first game where you know we kind of see, hey, you know, like what, 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 what can that offensive line do to, you know, how did they really look? How did they really play against those Big Ten elite? Um, but I think you know for Maryland's offense to have that shot, you talked about which Talia are you going to be on? You need last week's Talia. Um, just be smart with the football. 
not flustered. And then, you know, that area that maybe he's taken a step in the last couple of years. And I know it might not be as sexy of a topic, but it's, a, it's the body language. It's keeping your head up. Um, are, are there going to be three and outs? Are there going to be the sacks? Are there going to be bad plays? Like, yeah, you know, there are ebbs and flows of the game, but you know, this is going to be the first hostile environment. So just kind of keeping, keeping that composure over a 60 minute span is also going to be pretty, pretty clutch there. Yeah, and I think another guy you can almost go on that same line is Ty Felton. Do we see the Ty Felton from last week? Does he, you know, not get rattled? Do all those guys that haven't been in this moment, you know, if you're if you look at Maryland's roster right now, you have a, you know, guys on one side of it that have played in this game. They've played at Columbus. They know exactly what to expect doing in there. They've played these big, big ten environments and been starters in it. The other side, you got guys that have kind of either not necessarily delivered in the moment or have never been in it the guys on that side of it have got to show up and bring their best. And you keep hearing the same things from, you know, out of the program for Maryland, that they're a player led program, that they have guys that are ready to make that jump that Loxley came out and said, this team's ready to compete for championships. In my opinion, this game is that moment, you know, is he delivering on that? Are we going to see the team that's ready to meet the moment and then ready to meet the moment throughout the year? Or are we going to see a team that, you know, maybe they get down 21 to three or something like that and they have that chance where, you know, they don't score in this drive, they're out of the game. What happens then? You know, do they even get close? Do they move the ball? Do they continue to play as hard and as well as they've had this entire season? That's really going to be the story. Those are your takeaways from it, and I think that's that's really the thing to watch. And look, if you had to tell me right now, I'm going to bet with these guys right now. They've shown me everything to give me confidence that this team will get back up, it will fight back, and it will not crumble. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think you, you talked about taking Maryland with the points, and I think that's that's probably the play. I know my, my spread was, you know, 38-20, 41-20. I think that's, you know, it's kind of kind of right there. So, uh, again, I, I kind of think that that's kind of the move there, but obviously just kind of what, what Maryland's able to do. I think that's um, – they'll, they'll, they'll kind of need to be able to, like you said, the big players that make big plays in big games, that's, that's what you need. So, uh, obviously, the wide receivers have kind of been able to show – Multiple of these wide receivers getting pretty third type Felton, Sean Jones, they've all been able to show, hey, you know, this is what we're capable of. And um, they're going to need all of them. DJ Glaze at, at their at their uh, tip top on Saturday. Yeah. One player prop they'll point out. There hasn't been any posted yet from from any. Uh, if you look at Action Network, you can't find any of them. If Jay Sean Jones has a yards over under in this game, I'm t- uh, I advise all of you to take the over. I'm not not official betting advice, but. Uh, I advise all of you, he has played his best against Ohio State in his career. You go back and look at the games all the way to when could have caught the two-point conversion, but last year he had a great game against them. That's a guy, when you talk about big players that show up in big games, he's always right in the mix of things. He's kind of been quiet the last couple of weeks. I look at him as that guy that I circle going into this week. Yeah, I mean, he uh, he still finished with, uh, I think it was 121 yards last week, six catches. I mean, it's uh, I think it's just, you know, it, it's just kind of a, a byproduct of, of the offense, just – yeah, multiple guys that can really explode at, at any moment. But uh, I think in his uh, sixth, sixth matchup against Ohio State, we'll, we'll see if it, uh, Deshaun can pull out a game winner this time. Yeah, and we will see what happens on Saturday. We'll be back here on the podcast post-game uh, on Saturday with our Instant Reaction podcast. Make sure to check us out. You've seen all the links rolling. If you're watching us, all the links rolling on the bottom of the screen this week where you can check us out across YouTube and, of course, and inside the blackandgold.net. Make sure to like subscribe to this podcast wherever you get it and as always thanks for watching and thanks for listening